Good morning, folks. I hope you're well. We are slightly early. Now, look at that. It says my name there at the bottom. But I also have left my tag on, which means you can just see RT, which means that I'm encouraging a retweet, which I would never do. So what we're going to do is we're going to pretend this never happened. And instead... Good morning, good afternoon, much better, much more professional. Uh, it is Friday, happy Friday, right? weekend ahead, uh, many grins in front of us, AEW Rampage tonight, which has got some pretty interesting professional wrestling, some big developments, um, and then this weekend is the G1, so we're going to get into that and we're going to talk about another wrestling show, uh, which I'm sure you've seen in the description, it's not a bit, we're actually going to do that. I have something I'm going to lead with here, though, that I was not intending to do until about half an hour ago. How long than that? So I logged on the, the Twitter. And there is an account on Twitter now. That I do not know if this person is a good human being or not. You don't either. It's Twitter. But I would like to say that I was, it was brought to my attention via the... Let me find the at so I don't fuck a piece of shit. At ROH, at ROH History... <laughs> Two H's there. Joined in July of 2022. That's now. Um, it is not an official account, but it does the like the on this day stuff. And today, it informed me of the fact that we are now exactly 16 years removed from maybe the greatest, most famous indie wrestling match ever, uh, which of course is is Cage of Death. Ring of Honor versus CCW. Now, I ain't here to explain that whole story. Um, one day, maybe we'll do that as a podcast. Maybe when the AEW, uh, you know, front office gets this tape library somewhere where we can we can kind of use it for content. Maybe, just maybe. But I wanted to say, that if you go to my uh, my Twitter, at Joe Holbert, it says on the screen there, via shoots, wonderful. I just was putting him over and he texted me. Um, Via shoots wonderful um, graphic. If you scroll through my feed, you'll find a few retweets from a thread. And I would recommend the whole thread, but I think the retweets will give you a pretty good flavor of it. That has got to be one of the most brilliant, epic, dramatic, but yet grounded in sheer brutality and violence angles in the history of professional wrestling. It is so unique. It is so great. Um, have a little look for you, you know, if you've never heard of it, or you're not familiar with it. Just have a look for it. That's Fred. It will give you an idea. So, 16 years ago today, Eddie was in there, Claudio was in there, um, Joe, fucking Brian was in there briefly. Prevented Joe from being in there long. It's fucking epic. It's one of the great, great angles ever. So, go look at that stuff. And I was thinking about it and kind of mulling it over and pondering Ring of Honor as we, we're a week away now almost, just shy of, from their return to pay-per-view. Samoa Joe on the show is a big deal for a lot of nerds like me because, you know, there's a lot of history there um, with him in that ring. But I, uh, I I really do think, guys, and maybe this will age badly, maybe it'll age well, I don't know. But I really get this sense that, like, if it's presented the right way and it's and they take a creative approach to it. I think this this Ring of Honor tape library can like kind of transform the promotion's um, reach, you know? Like in a weird way, I think they can create content around the history that actually shines a light on the content people they've never seen it before. Uh, the idea of doing like a documentary about this particular feud and having inserts of Eddie Kingston, having inserts of Samoa Joe, um, Claudio, you could get homicide in, I'm sure, and others that aren't in the company. Very, very interesting to me. You know, stuff like that that's very nerdy, very inside, but that is the way that these uh, kind of wrestling history books are are filled, honestly. Uh, WWE has done a marvellous job of that, right, creating their own history and kind of being able to take out parts they don't like. AEW doing their own version in a slightly more transparent fashion with something like Ring of Honor, I think, would be 
would be really great. So that came to my mind today, 16 years. Have a little dig, have a little look online. There's still a lot of stuff on there, out there that you can watch for free. I'm pretty sure the match itself is on, like, Facebook in full, which pop. Um, but just one of the greatest angles ever. So with that established, we'll now talk about another great wrestling promotion, another great wrestling angle. As we will head to the major leagues. Now, I don't know if you guys know this, but Major League Wrestling has signed a deal with Hot Topic. Um, they have also got an action figure deal. Meanwhile, though, in Gotham, apparently they have announced that they are now going into hiatus until the fall. Um, this is particularly interesting because they still have tapings they have not aired from a month ago. In fact, when I say tapings, I mean they have literally not aired a whole set. Um my belief is that this is a misunderstanding on the news parts, you know, the news site's part, and they're going to keep running and then come back for season two after like a couple of weeks off, not two whole months, three months. However, it is worth noting that I'm about to re review a show, which is a major show for them, Kings of Coliseum. And it does feel important to note to you all that, like, this show was taped. So this episode aired last night, so it's 14th of July. This match was taped on the 13th of May. Which is layered because my take on that is that they've, they're, the idea is you give it so long people forget if they had it spoiled for them. You know, rather than trying to avoid spoilers, you just let people find out and then by the time it comes around, they'll have forgotten who won this one anyway. Which actually happened to me, by the way, with Davey and, uh, and Alex Kane last week. So this show, for those of you who don't know, it's 2300 Arena, famous arena in Philly, of course. Um... And this was a big match they had been building to for legitimately years, but more like kind of directly the last six months, I think it's been. Um, some of you used to watch MLW, because believe it or not, people did used to watch it more than watch it now, before AEW was a thing, uh, will be familiar with a group called The Dynasty, which was the group that hosted Maxwell Jacob Friedman, who, while he was always the star of the group in terms of his performance, I think it's fair to say that they were presented on TV mostly as equals. Um, they're all good talents to differing levels. We'll get to that and kind of discuss it. But that was MJF's group. You may have seen some clips. You may have heard some people talk about Dynasty. That was the whole thing. So that's the deal. MJF left, of course, to do um, bigger and better things. Hammerstone and Holiday continued as they were. They added a couple of people. They had one gentleman, who Gino Medina, I believe his name was, who was not a particularly good fit, especially for the MJF role, which is a, a tough, you know, tough shoes to fill to begin with. But nonetheless, they were a team and they were a faction, they were a heel group, and they were slowly but surely turning Hammerstone. It is worth noting when I say they've been building this for two years, they have legitimately missed about a year of that time in terms of TV. So you get what you get, I suppose. Um, it's not like they've been consistently on. What TV even means for them, I don't necessarily know. It says here via cagematch.net, the TV station slash network is youtube.com. <laughs> so I would like to say that I'm not going to be biased when talking about my, um, you know, my fellow YouTube uh, broadcast partner. So there you go. So around, you know, six months ago, wherever it was, they shot this big angle where... Holiday turned on him and he got blood. And they did some really cool stuff. There were some genuinely nice moments in this build. Um, there was one where they, I think it was Charlotte they did it. Because I remember Ricky Steamboat was around. It was Charlotte they did a big angle where he got juice. And Rick, Holiday had this white suit on. And, you know, Hammerstone's blood was all over it. And he's kept wearing the, the jacket, which genuinely is good shit. Um, and he's kind of terrifying. He had a great promo where there was a drop of blood on the floor. And he was talking about, you know, if these walls could talk, all the great things they've seen, but it would now forever be remembered where I, I made you, you know, drop this blood. And it was a whole deal. I mean, it's very dramatic and epic, but it's the kind of build that, honestly, wrestling very seldom does nowadays. So I was interested in it. Um, it's the kind of thing that pops me from an old school perspective. And I've said this before, and we have a lot of fun at his expense, and I am fucking blocked on Twitter. But Colt Bauer is pretty good at wrestling. Um He's not so good at some of the other parts of it and doesn't seem like to be the most savoury character, but I think he has a good read on wrestling and talent and he can he can book a nice angle if, if, if tasked with such a thing. I probably should do more of it, honestly, rather than what a lot of the shows. So this is a nice build they're doing here. And, you know, Holiday has not found a groove yet between 
he hasn't picked the lane. So what you get is sometimes he's like a maniacal Norman Bates um, tribute act. Other times he's like a cocky Randy Orton. And then he sort of walks this like weird middle desperate ground sometimes. He's definitely better as the Randy Orton than he is the Norman Bates. I think it takes a certain level of acting chops that no one in wrestling really has. And I think he's struggled a little bit to portray that. But overall, he's swinging for the fences. I think he's hit a couple and done a good job. Hammerstone, for those of you who don't know, is basically doing a 90s, 1980s WWF top guy um, love letter. He does the warrior shake of the ropes. He does the Hulk up. He's a good talent. I don't dislike him, but that is 100% what he's going for. He's trying to be an old school, real top guy, whatever the fuck that means in 2022. You know, and he has a good look and all that stuff, but I have no problem with Hammerstone, but that's who he is. So I've been building this match, and this was finally at Kings of Coliseum, and I was intrigued to see. Um, yeah, I should have been more specific. I'm talking Randy, like, you know, Evolution Randy. That's what I was, I should have, because Randy actually also did Bates cosplay. Which, again, more about that on the Psycho review tonight. So anyway, um, I was intrigued if they could match this build with a match worthy of it. I had my doubts, but I was intrigued. What we got was not quite what I was looking for, unfortunately. It was not bad. It was fine. They went about 10 minutes. To their credit, and listen, it surprises me as much as I'm sure it's about to surprise you, but this actually had heat in the building because apparently the people that go to these shows watch the TV, which is news to me. That hasn't always felt like the case. But they were like, they had a big fight feel for this. And credit to the TV show, this isn't going to help the crowd any because it was taped four years ago, but I will give them credit for this. They did a fabulous job of making this TV broadcast feel like it was about this one match. They had promos spliced all throughout the show. They had a big opening video package. They had recaps of the story. That is saying that I think they do a really nice job of, I thought they did an admirable um, attempt to give in this big fight feel, which it actually had at the bell. There was crowd interest for this, which is good stuff, right? Unfortunately, MLW struggles to get out of his own way in, in the best of times. And this was a case of that. Listen, Richard Holiday is not uh, Masawa, nor is Alexander Hammerstone. But at the end of the day, when you've given them this much, you just got to let them go and have a match. You cannot do the degree of overbooking that was in here and expect me to take it seriously as what it was being framed as. Ref bumps and shenanigans and horse shit, there is a place for it. There is a heel that fits it. Hammerstone in another life could be that heel. When you've done a blood feud and he's wearing a jacket with a man's blood all over it, just let them go out there and punch each other a lot, you know? It had some its moments early. I really liked um, Hammerstone. You know, he, I thought he did a good job selling his leg early and Holiday working it over. I thought that was an, an interesting element. And this idea that Holiday knew him through and through because they'd been partners, all of this was fine. But, man, once they got to, like, seven minutes and they went into this overbooked nonsense, it was really disappointing. I honestly got the sense they edited the match dramatically, which I don't really get because that means they chose to have a 45-minute TV special on YouTube, which I, I feel like, you know, over the match was not edited and was just cut badly or um, it same went wrong in the middle. I don't know. But it was really flat. Ultimately, after a bunch of overbooked, you know, shenanigans and a new ref coming down and pulled out by the old ref and all this bullshit, um, ultimately Hammerstone hulked up or hammered up, whatever the hell we call it, and run wild and just beat him with his finish. And it's like, well, I mean, I'm not saying that Holiday should have won, but I feel like when you do this kind of build, if you're going to do some overbooking, do it to protect your heel. You know, so then you can run it back. So, so um, I don't know if you can hear me when I do that. I just put the mic down. So, ultimately, I'm not here to knock either guy. I thought they had a decent match and worked hard, but it was disappointing as someone who had actually enjoyed the build and, um, you know, really thought or hoped they could do a match that popped me in the same regard. Not quite. I don't even think that's their fault, but not quite, unfortunately. So, okay. What else was on Major League Wrestling? They did a match to open Brittany Blake and Zoe Sky. I'm glad that MLW has finally got to their 2019 uh, mission statement of producing women's wrestling. Congratulations. Um, this match got two minutes and was the opener. It was a sprint. 
it would have been helped dramatically by just going four minutes so they could let stuff breathe and sell a little bit. They're far too inexperienced to be asked to do a two-minute 50-50 TV match. That is fucking insane. So, and again, don't get why this show had to be so, um, you know, tight on time when it was going 45 minutes. I just don't get it, but whatever. Uh, you know, both women did fine. It's just two minutes, 37 seconds. It's, that's tough. Uh, they also had Matt Cross versus ACH, which was a nice kind of modern match. It was a babyface match. They did moves. You know, Matt Cross has been good at, in that kind of genre, that medium, for a long time without much acclaim. He seems to be more kind of uh, – he seems to be seen pretty regularly these days. For a while there, he was kind of gone, it felt like. Always happy to see ACH. I hope he's doing good. Um, I like him as a talent. Things, obviously, for a range of reasons, didn't work out uh, the way I think most of us expected them to for him, considering he's, he's talent. But nonetheless, he looked good here. He's looked good whenever I've seen him in MLW. So there's that. Um, overall, if this was your first time watching MLW, you would probably not be rushing back. But you may be encouraged by some of the creative elements. Um, I think there are signs when when um, when Court is booking the guys that he sees as his core that he thinks are going to stick around. I think there are signs that there could be a good wrestling promotion here. Unfortunately... Those guys, it's not a deep lineup. And within that pack, there are some guys who I think aren't quite up to what, you know, he needs them to be to book the kind of angles he wants to book. So, I don't know, man. All bits aside, all jokes aside, I'm rooting for all the wrestling companies. Court seems to be a carny, but he's not like a, you know, well, he might be a criminal. I don't know. I don't want to, I don't want to take a step out on that ledge. But you know what I mean? Um, I would like them to be more fun. I would like them to be entertaining. As it is, I think it's a nice little TV show that isn't on TV, and it's not a bad way to spend your time. But it has to be said, and people get mad about this when you know I do it with NWA or Impact or whatever, but it is what it is. The lack of conversation and the lack of buzz is striking. Um, I mean, I'm doing this now, and I would ask you guys, I'm pretty sure the answer is no across the board in terms of if you watched it. But have you seen anyone talking about it? You know, tell me in the chat. Like, have you seen great conversation about MLW Kings of Coliseum, which is supposed to be their big match that they've built to for all these months, for all these years, on their special in Philadelphia at 2300 Arena? I mean, this should be a big one for them. And I don't know about you guys. I didn't see any conversation about it whatsoever, um, which is kind of an encapsulation of the bigger topic here, which I'll get to in a second after I take this drink. Okay. <laughs> um, you talked about it and I didn't throw my phone and run away, so that's progress. Progress. You guys have really got in my head about progress now. What is the way to talk about progress or progress? Because there's always used to be a joke about how Brits would say progress. Now, you guys would say, or Americans, I should say, because you're not American, but someone has pointed out to me that I was doing it wrong, and now I'd forgotten which way is the Brit way. Progress, right? I don't know. Um, never. Only you talk about it. I was mortified you were talking about MLW today. Nope. No. Not a thing. Hang on a second. Progress? No. Absolutely not. We're not adding a third one. One clip in the feed. Um, look, in all seriousness, like, obviously, progress... What the fuck are you talking about? Why is it an A? Progress. All right. Anyway, so why am I saying it two ways that none of you say it that way? I've just made another way. So anyway, um, wait, look, here's the deal with the, with the MLW thing. No one watches it, and I say that to be realistic. I'm not here to do a bit. Um... You know, I'm not here to, to pretend this is a major deal. I think it's very sad how little buzz this show had. That's part of the conversation. I'm sorry to all the many executives that work in these promotions, but we have to talk about that. That's part of it. If a movie bombs, the critic may mention it. It is what it is. doesn't mean the quality is bad. It just is what it is. You'd like more people be watching the show, don't I? Um, however, progress. That's how we say it. Progress. Good. All right. Um, 
However, I will say to anyone that is genuinely not enjoying the wrestling they're watching, I do think it's it's fun and there's some old school ingredients that may pop you. Do not expect it to be good regularly because it ain't. But there is some old school elements that may pop you. So there you go. All right, let's talk about the G1. G1 Climax, 32 now we're at. God bless. This kicks off tomorrow morning. For me, morning, I guess, maybe night for you still. I guess morning, I don't know, who cares. This is, of course, a four-block G1. Why? Well, it's quite simple. We wanted to get Yujiro Takahashi back in the lineup. We will get to that. Let's first run through each block and talk favorites. Should we do that? Should we have some fun with the G1? Okay, I agree. Let's do it. We start with tradition, with convention, with the A block. <laughs> the names are as follows. Kazuchika Okada. I've heard good things. Tori Yano. I've heard many things. I often say good ones. Tom Lawler, former MLW star himself. Jeff Cobb, Jim Ross is a big fan. Jonah, sorry to hear that. Bad Luck Farley, Pop, and Lance Archer, everybody dies. Now, this is a block of wrestlers. We all agree on that much. I'm going to be really honest with you all, from one friend to another. You could convince me with the right argument that this block is either incredible or absolutely fucking dreadful. And I'll be honest with you. I'm open to ideas because everyone in here who I like is teetering. And that, what that means is it depends on who their opponent is. Bad luck Fale is in this block. And I don't really know what we're going to get from, from Jonah. I'll be honest, I'm not necessarily sold on what we're going to get from Phil for Tom. But I just can't shake this feeling, as Mad King puts it in the chat just where I was about to say it, I just can't shake this feeling that this block's going to fucking roll. It's such a strange group of wrestlers. So let's talk matches. So obviously, Okada's going to be the attraction match. They're doing it different this year, so each night's going to have a match from each block rather than tonight's at block A, you know, that kind of thing. So Okada's going to be the blocks, you know. When A block main events, Okada's going to be in the match, is what I'm trying to say. So... Tom Lawler versus Okada is the biggest match of Tom Lawler's life, right? And we can all agree, I mean, that is a massive opportunity for him. If he wants to stick out there and be a you know, top guy, Jin, he's got to kill it with Okada. Willie, I think they'll have a fight match. Corbin Okada, I think, is, unless you want to have Archer in there, which is fair, I would say Corbin Okada is the match I would circle in this block and say, yes, please, Doctor, I'll have some of that, right? That, to me, I mean, I've not seen enough New Japan last week's name they've done it regularly, but they're two of my favorite guys in the promotion. That one's going to be great. Okada and Jonah, see what I said about Tom Lawler. This is the biggest match of Jonah's life. Farley and Okada I've seen many, many times. Um, he does, you know, the, the match that Tanahashi used to do with him. I don't know if he goes full Tanahashi and does the body slam bit, but it's very similar. You can only do so much bad luck, Farley. And then you have Archer and Okada, which I think is second for me to Cobb. Okada, I think you could actually argue it could be first. Archer obviously has become such a great wrestler, and his G1 in 2019 was a big moment for him, kind of transformed his trajectory. But he was gone before we knew it, right? So as a top singles guy in New Japan, it really wasn't a thing. He lost most of his G1 matches. He had a big push because Moxley couldn't get to Japan at the end of the year, and he was gone by the start of the next year. It's a really unique circumstance. So what you have here in Archer is you have a familiar face, but there's also a freshness because he hasn't been a top guy in the promotion for years. You could argue he barely was one in New Japan. He really was, you know, when he got to that level, he was gone before you knew it. So there you go. And the Osprey match, as, as Rem brings up, is, you know, that was a huge one. That was in Dallas, right? In Texas, I want to say. Um, so I like the block, even if I think there's a good chance it's not that good. Um, oh, there's a nice video package called Nepal. I have to check that. So there's some good stuff here. In terms of non-Okada matches, Cobb and Jonah is a big one. Um, they actually had an interaction. I want to say I'm not making this up. Tell me if I'm. Tell me where, where I'm at on this, guys. Day one in Dallas. Thank you, everyone. Um, 
I think Cobb and Jonah had an interaction at the Washington New Japan US show that had King and Ishii on it. Capital Collision, didn't it? Didn't they have a big interaction in that in like a big tag? Tell me where I'm at on this one, folks. I think they had an interaction that people really liked, and I, I remember it being a conversation. Um, I'm maybe thinking of a different big man. I don't think so, though. So Jonah and Cobb's obviously going to be a, you know, a fun deal. I, I hope Jonah does well. Again, sincerely, I said that the other day, and I mean it. And there's some fun ones for Archer in the same you know lane. You've got you know, Archer and Cobb, Archer and Jonah. Uh, Farley will be there, too. Tom Lawler, I have to say, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'll be completely disproven on this front. I don't think this is necessarily the best block for Tom Lawler in terms of, like, the matches he can have. Um, now, here's the thing with that. Who cares? He's in the G1, right? Like, what are you going to do? It's, it's, it's like me getting a gig at ESPN and being like, yeah, but I don't want to host with this guy. You know? Fuck, I'm on ESPN. Who cares? He's in, he's in the G1. So, or how? But I'm looking at this lineup, and it's like... To me, he's like good as kind of a in New Japan. I would like him to be like a um, hard nosed kind of rugged grappling brawler out there, you know. Kind of if you could bottle the way he did with Moxley and kind of bring that. And I'm looking at this lineup and I'm kind of going, well, yeah, there's a load of big men, and there's Okada, and I mean Okada is great. But I imagine when he wrestles Tom Lord, Okada would just have his match and he'll just piece in some Tom Lawler offense. And what I'm referencing here and what I'm alluding to, Paul is a step ahead of me. It feels like he may lean into comedy here, which, hey, it could work. It could get over. He certainly can do that stuff. But, man, I kind of wonder if he could have got a bit more fortunate here with what the guys that were surrounding him in his block, you know? We'll see. I don't think he's going to win a lot of matches, but I think there's some other guys in other blocks that he could have better matches with, if that makes sense. So that's the A block. I think it goes without saying that the guy who will be advancing from this block is, is Okada. Um, I think it will be legitimately shocking, and we overuse that word, but shocking if it isn't him. Um, so, yeah, my, my pick for best match of the block is Okada and Cobb. My my kind of one to watch, not in a good or bad way, just in a, like, interesting story, is Jonah, who, what, for everything I just said about Lawler, I think, you know, uh, how do I put this politely? Lawler is more... You know, I don't want to say Diamond does, and that sounds mean, right? But he's like, there's other guys that could do what Lawler's going to bring. Jonah is a guy who, with his frame and some of the stuff he can do, you know, I think there's a chance he hits big and he actually gets like a whole career from, from playing this role in New Japan. So with that in mind, Jonah is my one to watch in terms of this series gets on. Um, it feels like where he wants to be, so you got to believe he's going to be motivated and inspired and fired up, so... That'll be fun. Um, and obviously, you know, Archer will be a blast to watch, as he always is. Lance Archer is, is tremendous. Um, all right. The B block. This one's got some people on it, huh? The start at the top. The IWGP heavyweight champion, or as he would say, or sorry, world heavyweight champion, or as he would say, the I W. G, P, Waterweight Champion, Jay White. He is surrounded by some interesting names, some good, some not so good. Start with the former, Tomohiro Ishii. We have Sonata. We have Tamatonga, Great Okan, Chase Owens, and Taichi. Um, all right. Ishii and Jay White is a familiar matchup. I've seen those guys wrestle, and that means they've wrestled a lot more than, than I'm aware of because I've seen it a lot, I feel like. So, actually, if I seen it a lot, I saw them. Didn't they do a title change to some degree? Didn't Ishii win a belt or something? I don't know. Either way, I've seen them wrestle. But that match is obviously going to be great. Two of the best wrestlers in the world right now, quite frankly. I imagine the selling will be gorgeous. And um, I look forward to that very much. I don't think you can get me excited for Sonata at this point. But, you know, I guess he can do something fun with, like, I guess Ishii will get something out of everyone, right? Tamatonga's interesting. Here's one that I would circle as kind of a, a potential story. 
Yeah, Tai Chi will get to because Tai Chi is like. Did they not wrestle for a belt, Ishii and Jay? Am I like imagining this semi recently in the last couple of years? Um, Tai Chi's not a guy I'm looking at as one of the bad ones here, to be clear. There was a while where he had that rep, but I think he's kind of come out of it. Um, where am I going here? Tamatonga is an interesting story, I think, here. Tamatonga first entered the G1, I want to say in 2016. Um, before that, he would, you know, often be Carl's second. And of course, they left and Grizz Destiny happened and he was put in the, in the G1. Um, and there was a lot of conversations about Tamatonga in the G1. And they, they continued for as long as I can, you know, recall the next three years there, four years. Um, he would have all of these moments that would make you go, hmm, maybe, you know, he'd have the cool entrance. Or the cool look when he used to have the paint and and all, all that good stuff. And he'd have those those sequences where Steve Carino would call him the best defensive wrestler and he would like do all the counters and stuff. And you go, fuck. Maybe Tamatonga's making a move here, you know? But ultimately what would it would result in, thank you very much, Joe. Ishii and Jay Warriors with a never belt in November. There you go. Ultimately, what a lot of Tamatonga G1 runs would result in is a whole lot of free and free, you know, free and a quarter push three and a half range. Um, so I wouldn't expect him to have a lot of great matches in this tournament. He seldom has ever done that, unless I'm forgetting or missing something. What I would say is, based on what I saw against the famed machine gun, Carl Anderson, I would say that there is signs he may have found a, a particular groove, a particular mode that previously was not there. And what I'm referencing, of course, is kind of this uniquely traditional, um, you know, like fiery white meat baby face is kind of what he is, which is not ever a role I would have, I would have positioned him in. But post Bullet Club, it appears that's kind of who he is now. He's like this old school fiery baby face. And it's hard to tell slightly with the clap crowds, but it sure seems like he's got over. In that mold, um, he does have great babyface fire. It seems like he's connected with the people. So maybe, just maybe, after all these years, and I believe in his late 30s now, I want to say, maybe Tama is going to have the G1 that people, believe it or not, penciled him in for in 2016, you know? We will see. I'm a fan of the guy. I think he's had a strange career at times. He's flattered to deceive. There have been moments where I felt like, Gorillas of Destiny would have been a better fit, you know, stateside. I think there was evidence that at times, like the Briscoes feud up, it was a good example of it. Um, this CRE does here. Great Ocon is Great Ocon. You get what you get, I suppose, but many pops I think will be shared. Um, he will certainly have his moments where you go, holy fuck, Great Ocon. He will also have moments where you go, well, I could have missed that one. Chase Owens, I can't believe he's in it. Taichi. Is, is one that you look at in this group, honestly, and you look at Jay White, Ishii, and to me, then you go Tai Chi is the third, the third man in terms of work rate. To me, personally. Um, tai Chi is a guy who there was like a real disdain for, I want to say, and this is just kind of top of my head for estimation, but five years ago, I would say. And like, it quickly became clear that when the time came, and Demon Green kind of captures this here, he was, like, not just capable, but he could be, like, great. And he has done it, like, sporadically throughout his kind of, he's the last, I'd say, three, four years of his career. Um, best believe, you know, G1, this is the season to, to be that guy again. I think they may need him to be that guy in this block, to be honest with you. Sonata is a guy I find to be very hit or miss. Tamil, we've already talked about, it's kind of uncertain. Great Ocon, uncertain. Chase Owens is not very good. Taichi is someone I think this Brock will need to be consistent in a way that, you know, he's capable of, hasn't always necessarily been. But I will say he has very, very rarely let them down in a big-time match. So I would expect Taichi to be key to this block's um, quality. I, I would say the match that's interesting, and someone mentioned it up here. Let me find it. Um... I've lost it. Well, fuck. I, there's not even that many. I can. 
Here we go, Paul. Um, this is about Tama, I believe. Him and Jay White are the last match of the block of Budokan, and a bunch of tags leading up to it. I feel like they could do something decent day, though. That's the matchup that I'm most interested in, not necessarily from an excitement perspective of like, oh, I think that'll be great, but in an interest in how good it is. Um, Jay White is one of my favorites. He isn't someone who's like so, um, you know, athletically gifted or dynamic and brilliant that he's going to like lift someone up to a certain level of match. So he'll make it interesting, compelling on his side, but it will be where it will be. There's enough meat there in terms of story and conflict and emotion and passion. There is a chance him and Jay White, Tamatonga and Jay White is very good. A chance. I'm interested to see if that's the case once, once the bell rings. So we shall see. Other than that, my main scout report for the bracket is that, or for the block, is that um, hopefully she is feeling good and ready to, to do some work because I think you're going to need them to. So there you go. As for who advances, Obviously, it's Jay White. I mean, you know, that's part of why I don't love this this format. To be honest with you, is like previously you could kind of figure out based on the schedule, like, oh, this is going to be the, the the de facto final of a block. They wouldn't do, but what I mean by that is, and a lot of you will realize it. Like most years, it would come down to two guys, and it would generally be kind of traditional. There's a couple of times they zigged on that. Like I remember Goto being kind of like, he like snuck in, fucking ruled um, in 2016, I think. So. You know, but the so you get rid of that part. But what you do have now is it's like, well, Jay White's winning the block, right? Has to. Okay. C block. Before we do that, let's get this question because it's good. Well, we could ever get a G1 or something similar with one block in the US. The one that pops me is, right? Firstly, I don't think we'll get it. But I think it would be an absolutely like brilliant idea for the often referenced event style product that many of you have heard me discuss on this program. Um, I think that would be awesome to be quite frank. And it'd be a way to make you stand out. And I'm trying to make sure this isn't just like a fake memory of mine. No, it's a real thing. Thank you. Field of honor. Anyone remember field of honor in which Matt Stryker? Yes. Matt Stryker. Became the uh, the field of honor victor. Anyone? Anyone remember this? It was a thing, I promise. Um, who did he beat? Hang on a second. To be clear, I'm I'm you know, I know I'm aware match strike. <laughs> I said yes, match strike. Like I was going to mean anything to you beyond oh the fucking shitty announcer, but um, BJ Whitmer and match striker. Different wire, no wire. You know, like when we talk about progress earlier, or progress, or progress. Very exciting. Uh, with the wire. So anyway, Field of Honor was this Ring of Honor's, um, was Ring of Honor's, like, block thing. They had, like, two blocks, and it was old things. So what I'm saying is, what I'm getting at, that was 2003, and we're in 2022. So next year, 20 years removed from the Field of Honor, Ring of Honor should bring it back, is what I'm saying. That was my point. That was what I was getting out there. Um, I legitimately forgot that, like, announcer match strike was famous. That was quite the moment for me. Um, agreed. It was a different time, indeed. He, uh, BJ Whitmer, 18 minutes final. Felt match striker. I thought he had a shot, man. BJ's an agent now in AEW, too. You could have him there to hand the trophy out. I'm assuming match striker won't do it. When was the last time match striker wrestled? My God, he was from Colt Cabana in 2015. Before that, he hadn't wrestled in a year. Before that, he hadn't wrestled in four years. Fair. I respect it. So anyway, Field of Honor. That's what I was getting at. That was their, like, version of it. You can have Matt Striker on commentary. Yeah, there you go. Oh, I remember when he got the, got the gig for Impact, and he's like, oh, man, he ain't that bad. Like, it's better than having Josh Matthews. And I was like, yeah, it is. And then, like, he did two shows, three shows. I started reviewing the shows, the pay-per-views, and I was like, oh, this is just as bad. Maybe worse. I don't know. Um, C Block. The Ace. Hiroshi Tanahashi. 
Hiroki Goto, who I'm told is the never openweight six-man tag team champion. Evil. Kenta. Zack Sabre Jr. Aaron Hanare and Tetsuya Naito. Now, in terms of outcome, this one jumps off the page. As I think the least predictable block. I think D has two candidates. This one has... Well, I guess you could... Maybe Tanahashi's at a point now where you can dismiss him. I'm not dismissing him. He's the ace, you know? Um, this is a really interesting block. It feels like Naito could come out of the block. It feels like Zack Sabre Jr. could come out of the block. I don't believe Kenta would. That pops me. And Tanahashi is the ace. Also, Evil is in there, who I don't, I'm not sure if they still care about pushing him, but he was the world champion two years ago. There you go. This feels like the strongest block. Unfortunately, it isn't perfect, but even still, like having Goto as one of the guys who's going to be in there lose a lot is a big plus compared to some of the other guys and, you know, the alternate blocks they're going to lose because Goto's fucking good. Um, as for me personally, Tanahashi and Zack Sabre Jr. is always one of those those wonderful matchups to me. I just I love watching those guys wrestle. I know that they're not. Um, Unless I misremember the reaction, like some of their matches I don't think got like five stars, whatever that means. But I was at the one at Rural Quest and I saw the one they had just before when they did the switch the other way, I'm pretty sure. Um, I just love that style matchup, you know. I really do. Um, so you got uh, Tanner and Zack Sabre in there. Obviously, Naito and Tanahashi is a pre previously a Tokyo Dome matchup that's going to have a huge degree of crowd engagement. I don't know how often Zack Sabre Jr. is locked up with Naito, but that will be a big one. Kenta, this is a really interesting point in Kenta's career. Um, I think everyone saw his promo from the press conference. It fucking ruled. He's, you know, back after legitimately injuring like four different things at the Tokyo Dome in one of the most insane artistic choices in the history of professional wrestling, in which he basically just said, I will do whatever it takes to leave some sort of impact on this on this place opposite Hiroshi Tanahashi. One, genuinely one of the most unique, crazy matches two legends have ever had. It was ridiculous. It ruled. So he's back. He's in the same block as Tanahashi. I have seen some stuff from Kenta since he returned. He's, you know, he's feeling it, it looks like to me. Um, and when I say feeling it, I don't mean he's in great stride. It looks to me like he's in a lot of pain. That is not necessarily an issue, as Hiroshi Tanashi has proved very consistently. But I um, I hope he gets through this, is what I'm what I'm getting at here. I really do. I love the man. I hope he gets through it. I hope he looks good. So I hope he has some good matches. Naito is a guy who is objectively great and he's a major star, but someone who I increasingly kind of grew tired of in the long epic format. I don't, think, I don't think it was a great use of what he can do. I thought he was definitely a guy who used his gimmick to sleepwalk through some stuff, um, which, again, that's the gimmick, so, you know, respect. But he's one I really hope to enjoy, you know, revisiting this roster here with the G1. Hopefully I do. Um, Goto feels like he's going to have a good match for everyone in this block. I don't know many of them will win, well, like, Goto and Evil even feels like if you get rid of the horse shit, they could just whack each other, right? Which is Evil's best form. Um, so, the Demon Grin, man. Look at him. Just kicking the shit out of CM Punk. Obviously, it's a big spot for Hanare. Um, I remember him as, as, like, Young Lion Hanare, teaming up with Nakanishi. I'm not sure how many big singles matches he's had in the last couple of years, because, as you know, I've been kind of out of the loop. But, you know, if he, if, this is what I'm talking about, like, by um, by contrast to what we have with Lawler, he feels like he's surrounded by guys that he can have good matches with, you know? So that's pretty neat. Um, my pick for the block is is Naito. That's my pick. Chat, I'm intrigued. Let me take a quick poll on this. Who are you picking for the C block to, to advance to the final four? Who we got? <clears throat> yes, I agree. No Suzuki is very sad. 
Very, very sad. But you get what you get, I suppose. We've got Zack Sabre Jr. We've got Naito. Hot says Kent and mine says Naito. Andrew says Zack Sabre Jr. Yeah, Zack is an interesting choice. He had a big run with the... Uh, he won the New Japan Cup, didn't he? Didn't he win it and face Okada? Hmm. Paul's got Tanahashi. Well, that'd be interesting. Lost splits, another Naito pick. This is fun. All right. D Block. Billy Ospreay, IWGP US champion. Shingo Takagi. My God, I like my mouth, like frozen. Shingo Takagi, the king of pro wrestling holder. Juice Robinson, the former IWGP US champion who still has the belt, I think. I don't know. Yoshihashi, who is also a never open weight six man tag team champion. David Finley, Jr. Yujiro Takahashi. And one of the junior heavyweight inserts here, El Fantasma. Much to be said about this bracket, this block. You saying bracket? I'm losing my mind. Clearly. There are going to be some great matches in this one, right? Osprey and Shingo is a famous pairing at this point. Um, you're going to get that again. Juice is a guy who, you know, with some of these dudes will have just fine matches that you forget, but he can certainly have some great ones in this too. Yoshihashi, I actually think fits a very similar description. David Finley to a lesser extent, but I think, you know, more in line with Yoshihashi. Juice obviously is a level above those guys, but you get my point. Yujiro Takahashi, I don't think he's having a great match with anyone. Um, but, you know, he'll have a few nice 10-minute matches, I guess, to go for in a cool one. El Fantasmo. Now, this is what I mean when I talk about the guys you're around and, what, and how it can kind of unlock things. Because what I said about Tom Lawler, I think, is almost the complete opposite of Fantasmo because he has Shingo and Osprey, who it feels like he'll be able to, like, come up with some crazy shit with, you know? In very different ways. I mean, Osprey is more of a traditional heavyweight now, but he can still do some crazy stuff in the kind of aerial sense. Shingo is just a fabulous, like, Star Wars matchup. And Shingo is, you know, um, I don't want to I don't want to shortchange the guy, but he ain't the biggest dude, right? I mean, he's built like a tank, but it's not like it's going to be a tough style match. That feels like a natural fit. Um, so that one stands out. Again, Yujiro's in there. Um, Osprey... Feels like the favourite here to me, to be totally honest. Uh, considering his ongoing story of, you know, being fucked with by the promotion, I think he'll fall short in the final four. But it kind of feels like he's advancing. I have to say, and I don't mean to slide as because I think you guys heard me defend him on the grin and stuff as a wrestler, but Shingo feels like the interesting choice, right? The exciting choice. And it's exciting in a way where it isn't, like, ridiculous to expect it. I mean, he's been... The champ, it just, you know, it was cut off quick. And um, as Mad King mentions, crowds were, were not able to be, like, audible the way we're used to, which I think is still a thing in New Japan. A New Japan doing things differently. Can someone explain it to me, please? Someone told me there's no, there's still clap crowds. Other promotions are doing normal crowds. Someone explain it to me, please. Um, I mean, or I could look it up and, you know, not just ask you to do it for me, but I'm, I'm intrigued, genuinely. I can do so after if necessary. But, uh, but this block, I think, will probably have... I would guess, hmm, especially because evil, I think, could be a certain issue in the other one. My guess is that if you add up all the star ratings at the end, this block will win on average star rating. That's my guess. I'm saying that to the bookies in a minute. See if they take the bet, you know. I'm going to pick Osprey. I would like Shingo to advance, um, who, of course, is a dude with attitude for those of you that only watch AEW. Uh, Shingo has been one of the great wrestlers for legitimately like, Shingo wrestled Rod Strong in, I, I want to say, like, 2007, 2008, when he was, because he had, like, a running ring of honor at that time. I think I'm correct about the years there. So that feels ridiculous. I'm, like, double-guessing myself. Questioning myself. I don't know. Uh, even the normal crowds are still spaced out. Yeah, that's true. I think they are. But you, you know what I mean? When I say normal, I mean, like, sound-wise. They're not, they're probably a lot of different, you know. So is that what it is? They're, they're kind of, they'd rather have a full house and they'll just accept the limitations. Okay. Um, so 
that is the lineup. And our final picks were my final pick. Again, I don't know what's going on. I'm just this is me just looking at having fun. Osprey, Naito, Okada, and Jay White. All right, which will mean that I don't know how they're doing this. Who are the semi final? Is it A versus B, C versus D? Right? The other day, are they doing? Are they doing something wacky? If so, that would mean. Hmm. How I many Okada and Jay White? I don't know. Maybe they're not doing it that way. Someone tell me. Nonetheless, tomorrow, this is what we have tomorrow to kick us off. This is pretty nice. Nice way to start. Starting pretty big. Now, again, folks, for those of you not aware, this year, because it's four blocks, rather than doing, you know, one night for block B, one night for block A, each night is just going to feature a match from each block from Mike and Gabba. Yes, that is, please. That is the case. So, night one, we have the following A block. Okada and Jeff Cobb, which is the one I circled. B block, Sonata and Jay White. I'm going to watch Sonata, so Jay White's the right guy to do it with. C block, Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Aaron Hanare, which is a pop in some sort of way. I don't know how good it will be, but it pops me. And D block, Osprey and Phantasma, which we were just talking about. I would say that's about a small way you can kick off without completely going nuts. It appears to be A versus B, C versus D. So, it would be Okada and Jay White in the semi. You would assume Okada would win to go to like, what's his record against now? Like four and two, three and two. Because I know Jay White's beaten most of the time. And obviously you'd work it differently. It'd be shorter than the usual because of the times. But um, yeah, that's interesting. Unless it won't have the time constraints because it's a semi-final match. I don't know. I don't have more, I have more questions than answers here, huh? Um, and the other semi-final would be Osprey and Naito. So my pick for the final, after all of this controversy and confusion, my pick for the final is Okada defeating Osprey. That's my pick. I know that's not a new match, and I did it at Tokyo Dome. I remember reviewing it once, once upon a time on a galaxy far, far away called Fightful.com. I'm aware. That's my pick. I'm not picking against Okada. I know he won it last year. I don't care. I'm not picking against him. It is New Japan's 50th year. While that may be completely irrelevant because G1 is actually 32, even still, Okada lost very, very decisively at Dominion. Strikingly so. He really gave Joe out the whole match, got the shit kicked out, and made one comeback and got pinned. It's the kind of booking I think they would do if they knew what they had up their sleeve for Okada. So while it isn't the most exciting choice, that's my pick. It feels like the, the safe kind of lazy take, but it's what I'm going with because I'm not familiar enough with what's going on elsewhere to kind of give you something more dynamic. But I got Okada beating those spray in the final. So there you go. The grin, I believe, will end about an hour before the first show starts. The first show looks good. It appears that after that, oh my God. Hang on a second. Some nights, there's two matches from blocks. Oh dear, this is very scary. BB block. A, B, B, C, D. A, B, C, C, D. This is very scary now. So why is the first night only? This is what I'm talking about, you know. And for what? To get Yujiro Takahashi in it, we have to do four blocks. Oh, shit. Hang on a second. Where the fuck have... We've lost our gimmicks. Oh. <sighs> We used to have gimmicks. We used to have sounds we could play. Where have they gone? We don't have... Everything's gone wrong here, appears at Late Night Grin Headquarters. Um, I'm very scared. I wanted to do a boo for Yudro Takahashi. Instead, I only do this, which, you know, fair. Um, that's a terrible shame. Well, anyway... Nonetheless, that's the G1. We have five minutes. Just five minutes. Do we have any questions before I go? Last bird of the week, of course. 
we obviously went live Wednesday nights. We didn't have one yesterday. Um, that show was very Q&A heavy. I think that's probably for the best. Um, tonight, Retire the Rankings about with Jay Shell. That is at 5 p.m. Eastern. Then, after AEW Rampage, the television spectacle that airs on TNT, we were going live with the Late Night Grin. I do not know we'll be on that show yet. Um, I don't know who will be on that show. I think Bob is not there is what I'm pretty confident of. Um, so we're going to have to fill in all the gaps where Bob usually would be speaking so much. Um, that's tonight. Tomorrow, LNG main event um, is is live on YouTube at 6.05 Eastern, uh, which is which is saying that, you know, there's shoots, that's shoots creative baby, so to speak, and we're excited about it. We've got a couple in the can, and it's basically just us watching some old score wrestling. It's one, you know, one match. It's like 30, 40 minutes long. We actually watched the match, which I know was a big issue on Dark, Renalongs. Um, I think I've seen Tam Nakano. Didn't Tam have the, um, the like, hair match? I believe. I've seen this. I'm almost certain. Like, pure baby face, or she just turned heel? What happened? I'm now trying to get, I'm now getting confused. Hair match, right? Very famous hair match in 2021. Now I'm fearful I've made this up. Which would be... Oh, thank fuck for that. Yes. Imagine I just created a hair versus hair match. Like a fucking pervert. That'd be terrible. Want to know more? What would you do with them? Burn it to the ground. Awful idea. Terrible idea. Embarrassing idea. One of the worst things I've ever done. I'd actually arrest Scott the more if I could, but I'm not... Um, I don't, you know, have the ability to do that in Canada. If he was in England, it'd be, it'd be done with. Um, what film are you attending? Elvis. I've heard many things. Some good, some bad. I've heard many people have said it's very boring, which is not ideal. Um, maybe a movie you need some, you know, some snacks to pop yourself. I don't know. Thank you, JJ. Put the LNG main event link in the in the chat. Uh, Sunday, Fleet Week, with some AEW talk. It was a big week for AEW. Um, Dynamite was one of the best episodes they've ever done, which was, you know, I, I think pretty clear when I went live. It was... Felt momentous, man. That was very, 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 very special. So that was um, that that was that was cool. And it's about a little more Fleet Week. That's Sunday, Tuesday. What should we do Monday? Should we do like G One review, or should we do? Hmm, I'm not sure we're going to do on Monday yet. Tuesday night, there's much going on as well as the birds returning the day. Tuesday night at six oh five Eastern. 31 with Robert O'Neill, the finale with the great Jeremy Lambert. Bob's final episode of the season. He says he's figured it out. He's going to change his approach for this last one. So that's the finale. And then at 7 Eastern is probably what we're going to do. Maybe 8. We're going to do Grin Grapple of Bret Hart, which is the SummerSlam edition. Um, that will be kicking off the SummerSlam coverage. What's that you said? That's the 19th of July. Yes, not ideal. I've conceded that. Not ideal, right? Two, four weeks is a little much. We're going to be very sporadic with it. We're coming in and out. But there'll be some fun stuff for SummerSlam, even if we're starting a little bit early. Um, so, yeah, that's what's ahead. I hope you guys have enjoyed this. Uh, JJ, you're not in charge while I'm at the cinema. Um, Alex is, because he's now got a render. Maybe you guys saw that. So, Alex is in charge this time, but keep, you know, just keep an eye on him. Um, no Bob, no heart. My God, it's a little bit heavy. Um, basically, what happened was Alex messaged me and was like, well, actually, he said, brother, brother, which is how he starts most of his messages, which is fair. Um, he said, I can't do the last week of the month. I forgot to tell you. And I was like, okay, well, I'm almost certain Bob doesn't want to do this show. So let me just ask him. And I can confirm that, you know, Bob was Bob had less than zero interest in talking about Bret Hart for two hours. So I think it all worked out in the end. And instead of the Green Grapple on SummerSlam week, we're going to do the J-Shell Appreciation Society about Bianca Blair, which, of course, is going to be armed with this intro. There you go. Also, 
He's on fire. The confirmed shoot is on fire. All right. Have a wonderful day, folks. I'll see you at 5 p.m. Eastern, 10 p.m. here in Great Britain. Retire the rankings. We have a new intro for that, too. You'll see it later. Speak soon. Oh, wow. Enjoy this outro. That's what I say, don't I? I don't just end it. I say enjoy this outro. Enjoy this outro. Wait, it's gone. Short of that. Where is it? Oh, multiple things I use now are gone. Bye. Thank you.